Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You know, history is important. Uh, You know, legacy of so many uh, people who've come before you. But the people, that's the most important thing. The people make an organization. I I can't get out of my brain after hearing that, the jingle that was crafted by the folks at the Dunder Mifflin Scranton branch once upon a time. Dunder Mifflin, the people person's paper people. The people person's paper people. Try saying that 20 times fast. No, thank you. Dunder Mifflin, the people time, person's time, time paper out, people. Time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. It's a show that's on Peacock, the same thing we're on. You can watch it right now, although watch us first, watch The Office later. I was under the impression that this was going to be a wrap. <laughs> well done. Well, very well done. Bravo. It's one of the benefits of being part of the Peacock family with access to the entire office Peacock library, the people person's paper people. You know, Aaron Rodgers, once upon a time, had a cameo on the office. Oh, I heard that. Right. And for as good as he was hosting Jeopardy. Right. That's as bad as he was playing himself on the office. At one point, and the writing... All due respect, Office, one of the great TV series of all time. Right. But they gave him some goofy line like, oh, flag on the play. Flag on the play. Oh, gotcha. As he was a judge a little, on. A little cheesy that the way. Acapella version of American Idol where Andy Bernard tried to sneak in and become a contestant. And Andy Bernard made some stupid confession. And that's when Aaron Rodgers said, flag on the play. So, and, you, and you didn't uh, approve of his acting on that one line. No, no, no. no. Okay. Did not approve. All right. Did not approve. All right. And I'm sure I'm sure that to this day he's tormented by it. Knowing him as well as I possibly can from afar, I would say he's tormented by it because it's that bad. Well, 
I don't know if he's tormented, but yeah, maybe he's tormented. aware. Tormented. tormented. He's tormented by many things. Well, some of the things he he's a tormented, tormented soul. by. Well, some of the things are legit. He deserves to be tormented a little bit. I'm not in some saying. Of those I'm not saying he's yeah. unjustifably right. tormented. Right. He's justifiably tormented by right. flag on the play, and he's justifiably tormented by the Green Bay Packers. There's no doubt about that, Mike. I mean, yes, he is. It's it's a tough spot, but uh, I got to watch The Office because I don't always understand your jokes and they go right over my head with all of that stuff. And like I've said, like I've told you in the past, I know a little of it, but never have really like hunkered down and watched and put it together. So that that's I, I got to get on the same page with you here on Peacock and all that stuff. You may have a hard time relating to any of the characters because there's no stoner. I guess Creed would be the closest to you. You're funny. Like a, like a version of your dad as a stoner. That's Creed. So uh, how many jerks are on the show that you associate with? Everyone. Oh, okay. So no wonder you like All it. That makes sense. There we go. Got it. <laughs> every single one of them. Amalgamation of every antisocial personality in that program rolled into one. So maybe that's why I like it. It's a very popular show. I, I'm surprised you've even heard of it, though. Frankly, the way you're talking about it. Well, well why? You know, why? What do you mean? What do you, What do you mean? I don't so, know. I'm. It's been around. Since, I know. I know of it. I, it I debuted mean, when when it debuted. You still had a spleen. That's how long it's been around. Yes, I I understand. I remember it being popular then. You know, I'm not like I'm not a big TV show watcher type guy. I mean, yeah, every night. Hey, sports are on. Last night it was NBA playoffs. There's a Yankees game. I go back and forth. So like. I, I've missed some of that stuff. I got to sit down at some point and watch it, though. I know, I know it deserves that because too many of my friends tell me how awesome it is. Here's my recommendation for you: go to season one, and and I was thinking of this just as you mentioned the NBA playoffs. Go to season one. Don't start with the pilot. Go to the basketball episode. It's like the fifth episode, fourth or fifth episode of season one. Go watch that first, and 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 then you'll you'll be hooked, and you can go back. It's not like there's any story arc that goes I got through you. the season. Okay, that's good. That first season, you don't, you, you, you won't miss anything. You won't not understand anything. Watch that one first, and then you end up going back and starting. All right, thanks. So that's my advice to you. Gotcha. That's your project for your three Homework. day weekend. Oh, four wait. day. Oh wait, this week. Your four day. Four weekend. day. Woo, baby! Yes, Memorial Day. Woo! Nothing like it. Friday off, Monday off. Wham! Winning. Wait, are we off Monday? Winning. Are we off Monday? I mean, I, I, I am. I am. It's Memorial Day. I'm off. You might be here, but I'm off. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> Pete, Pete, Pete says no days off except Memorial Day. <laughs> That's so, right. That's uh, the only one. Uh, so we, we are off in the event that. And, and I'll still get I'll still get 50 emails. Where, where's your show today? But that's fine. That's fine. I'm not complaining about it. I'm not tormented by all the emails I get whenever the show's not on Sky at the time it was supposed to be or if it's not on at all or I can't find the podcast or the podcast was put up late. That's fine. Send him to me, Florio at ProFootballTalk.com, and I will respond to at least some of them. Uh, I'll say that. Okay. Uh, I will respond to more emails than Arthur Smith will respond to questions <laughs> yeah. when it comes to star receiver Julio Jones, Arthur Smith, fending them off like a superhero yesterday, like he's finally discovered his power, and that's not answering questions he doesn't want to answer about a player who doesn't want to play for him in Atlanta. Here's Arthur Smith from yesterday talking about Julio Jones. Look, we encourage our players that they should speak for themselves, and so I'm not going to comment. It doesn't change anything for us. I mean, we understand what our plan is moving forward, and we have, like I said, we have multiple private conversations with our players. 
And those are conversations that are going to remain private on my end. As Pete said last night, go waste 16 minutes of your life that you'll never get back. Watch the entire media availability as he is constantly peppered with different versions of that same question. What's up with Julio Jones and Arthur Smith not giving in? Now, maybe if Shannon Sharp would call him live on the air, Arthur Smith would crash. That <laughs> maybe be the way to get to the bottom of things. It's amazing that's still a thing. And, and like anything else in our society automatically i mean we're gonna have two sides to everything why does there have to be two sides to everything why can't we ever agree on something you know what it's wrong to call a guy up and put him on the air and not tell him you're on the air we got people who's oh he knew he was on the air that was all a setup oh no i know people he didn't think know he was on the were, air it was right. wrong they're all over the place yeah. all over the place right i know people think because there's a prior relationship that you know it was and they think that they also the other thing that jumped out to me people think like the ringing of the phone was wired in through the studio. No, these microphones are that good that if you put the phone up there, it sounds like it's in the studio. It's it, there wasn't that. No, I, I mean I'm. I mean, of course, you know what I heard. I stated that yesterday. I was told by somebody very close to the situation there. So yeah, I, I mean, I, but you're right. It's just the current environment we're in. It's it's and, there's two sides and, to everything. The other thing that drives me crazy is people insist that Julio Jones knew he was on the air because the call came at the time when Shannon Sharp is on the air yeah, right. every weekday. Like like Julio Jones has no idea. memory exactly when right. Shannon Sharp's on the air. And even if he's on the air, he could be in a break. Right. It doesn't mean he's live on the air when he calls you. And I have people that... that I know fairly well who apparently don't know my schedule well enough who will text or call me between right. 7 and 9 Eastern exactly. Monday through Friday. Yeah. I mean, pe people don't think of that. Yeah. All they think of is I'm calling this person, I'm reaching out to this person, or this person's calling me. Like, I, I bet if I started going through my contact list and calling people up on the show, there would be a small percentage of them that would say, aren't you on the air right now? Yeah, I They'd be I like, agree. what's up? Right. What's up? What, what's going on? What do you need? That's right. what it would be. Yeah. Why'd you call me? I don't want to talk to you. Click. That's what it would be. <laughs> yeah. Not, aren't you on the air? Like, why don't you just go do something other than call me? That would be the more likely response. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. You're right. Not everybody knows, like, your exact schedule and is all over that stuff. Listen, at, at, at face we call? At face value. Who can we call? Who can we test it out with? Oh, uh, well, I don't know. I know. I'd love to tell you to call, like, my dad right now or something like that. Call Big Phil. Like, hey, get your butt up. Are you awake? Oh, okay, good. Are you watching? Okay, good. If you're not, wake the hell up and let's go. Uh, but, no, I, I mean, again, yes, I, I don't believe that Julio Jones had any idea there. Yeah, there's a prior relationship with Shannon Sharp. I don't know. Uh, he answered the phone. It went on. It wasn't cool if that's how it went down, like we said yesterday. But, I mean, hey, at the end of the day, I don't think it really did any big-time damage like I was talking about yesterday a little. Like, yes, now the cat's out of the bag. We know he wants to be traded. But I think ultimately, as long as there's more than one team interested, everybody knows he's been wanting to be traded here for a long time and all of that, that – Something will get done here at some point. But the one thing I advise the Falcons is, you know, you just don't give this guy up for free. That's for sure. I still think he's got some good mileage left on those legs, and he's still too talented to just sell him down the river for a third-round pick or something like that. I spent some time yesterday actually taking a break from 
copy paste snarky comment. Yeah. And fishing around to find out right. who's out there. Right. Who's lurking. And more importantly, more importantly, was there a window that the Falcons blew? Yeah. During draft week. And look, I don't know what teams. Now, we've seen statements social media messages etc from players and we'll talk about that in a second but that doesn't matter unless they're also the gm or the owner or the coach of the team no teams have moved yet we're a week away from the day when the falcons can do this trade officially and realize the cap savings that kick in after june 1 you still can have the deal tentatively done today tomorrow friday memorial day weekend whenever up until next wednesday but that's when the window opens on officially doing the deal and getting the savings right my understanding is, and remember, it was the Monday before the draft. All of a sudden, three different reporters all have the same thing on Julio Jones. Not a coincidence, not an accident, not a mistake. It's the Falcons getting the word out so that teams know before they put in a card, round one, round two specifically, that in lieu of that, you can do a deal for Julio Jones. Now, yeah. it wouldn't have been 2021 draft picks because the deal couldn't be official until next Wednesday, but still, you know you're getting the guy as of June 2. And my understanding is they could have had a second-round pick. i got to be careful here. They could have had a second-round pick and completely and totally unloaded the $15.3 million salary for Julio Jones before the draft, but they wanted a one. Yeah. They wanted a one, right? and they didn't say, let's just take the two and let's let's get rid of the 15-3 and be done with it. And the Muhammad Sanu thing, Chris, is I a bet. real impediment. I bet. Because they got a second-round pick for Muhammad Sanu, and there's a certain gentleman who has been extremely successful in business yeah. for his entire life right. who can't process the idea that they got a second-round pick for Muhammad Sanu, and they can't get more than that for the guy who has been one of the most important players in the franchise over the last decade, and that's owner Arthur Blank. He wants at least a two, and before the draft, they were holding out for a one, and I think if you would start attaching folks to lie detector tests now in Atlanta, they'd say, damn, we should have taken the two and gotten rid of the $15.3 million salary when we had the chance. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, that, that's the risk you take now, yeah, when you sit here and wait and see what happens. I mean, yeah, sometimes you just got to take the best deal available at that moment, if you're not really sure exactly, you know, what will happen in the future. You know, again, you, it, it, it's too many people, me, me included, you get caught up in like, oh, apples to apples and just comparing things. Oh, he got a second round for that guy. Should you get better for that? Oh, there was a lot of circumstances around Muhammad and Sanu, you know, attracting a second round pick in, in that trade. Right, Mike? I mean, we had there was a number of teams who were kind of in a Super Bowl window who were desperate to find one more receiver. And that drove up the price for Muhammad Sanu. I mean, I think from everything we know, what, what was it? It was, I mean, we, I think we heard it was, you know, the 49ers, the Patriots, a few other teams involved in that. All so, it takes is two. All right. it takes is All two to jack up the two. price. Exactly. 49ers and Patriots. That's right. And there you go. You get a second round pick. So, but I, I will say this, you know, I don't know how Arthur Blank feels now. Whether he'd be willing to give the Let's second, call him. Yeah, yeah, right. Call him up. Let's see if he's uh, paying attention. Wake here. up, Arthur. But I, I don't know. I would think at this point, and as long as Atlanta, as you stated, is allowed to or does pay a certain amount of his salary, that I think second round pick is still a very real option. And honestly, I think if you get the right teams involved here, 
I wouldn't be shocked if maybe it's a real good team that felt like, hey, our first-round pick's going to be at the end of the first round this year, and we're willing to do that. You know, I, I would not be shocked. I, I don't. Like, you know, like I said, Mike, I just think, yes, there's risk here, but if you feel like, you know, the risk is not too great and you have enough info that the health is comfortable to you where he's at Julio Jones – you know, the talent on the field is still – it's still damn special when he's out there. There's no denying that. But here's the reality. Yeah. Because this deal wasn't done before the draft, I'm yeah. looking at the 2021 picks right now. Right. You've got teams that took receivers yeah. that are now not going to be interested in Julio Jones, if they even were. But yeah. I think we can at least say anyone that used a first-round pick on a receiver or a second-round pick on a receiver would have at least stopped and said, hmm, let's see. Now, we may have to do some work from a cap standpoint to absorb a $15.3 million salary, but hey, this guy is a proven commodity. Proven commodity versus roll of the dice when we know, even though no one says it in advance of the draft, because God forbid we undermine the hope that everyone sells to every fan base before the draft, that they're all drafting future Hall of Famers. We've seen the Rams consistently take the known commodity. Not that the Rams could have found a way to cram right. $15.3 million under their cap. But could you imagine the Rams with Julio Jones? That's a Rams move. It Isn't is. Isn't that a Rams move? And they took 2-2 Atwell with a second-round pick. That's a Rams move. Now, I don't know what picks they have in 2022. It's easier to, I think, identify the picks they, they don't have. The, the, the list is longer of the picks they don't have than the picks they do have. But, you know, I, there were teams. There were teams. And then after the first two rounds of the draft, those teams would say, well, why would we give up a second-round pick for next year when we used a second-round pick or a first-round pick on a receiver this year? So it's, it's, a, it's a tougher universe. That's why they did it three days before the draft began. Of course. That's why that report landed the Monday of draft week. It is. But they didn't pull the trigger. Well, the ball was on the tee, and they said, we'll wait for a bigger ball. We'll try to kill two stones with one bird. Well, yeah, I mean, Whatever you're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I, I think the other the other side of that is NFL teams look at it and go into it, even though, yeah, a lot of the teams might have needed receivers. We knew there was a lot of really good receivers to be had in the first three or four rounds of this NFL draft to where teams look at it then two, three days before the draft to where they go, we'll get we'll get somebody. We'll we'll figure it out. Somebody will will be there you know, with the right grade that matches where we're picking and that'll happen. And, you know, what happens is there's a handful of teams that it, that it didn't happen to. Or maybe they didn't get to fill that need specifically. You know, maybe there's a team that was there in the end of the second round and they go, oh, man, we wanted a receiver, but all the guys that we really had valued at this level – are not there, and we're not going to waste, you know, the end of the second round pick uh, on a on the next guy we have as an end of the third round pick type grade. So again, I still think there could be a market. You know, I think you and I we've discussed a few teams out there to where I think you could really look at it and go, "There's there's a real need. They could really use him to help their football team out." You know, and 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 I know. I know yesterday I, I talked about I had heard from people in the know there down in Atlanta that the Titans and the Patriots were on his radar, uh, Julio Jones, as far as teams he'd want to play for. And why wouldn't they want him? I mean, I mean, why not? I mean, that, that makes sense for both of those football teams. You get into the Colts, you know, that's another one. I think we could sit here and go, makes a lot of sense. They're really got just about everything you need except for maybe 
one extra difference maker on the offensive side of the ball. And then, of course, there's Green Bay. So right there, there's four teams right there we've mentioned who all have high hopes for 2021, all have a real need, and we'll see if that drives up the price and maybe gets Atlanta closer to what they want in this trade deal. Green Bay isn't going to do it, though. No, we I don't think, think so. think they should. I know, They're right. not going to do it. No. It's no. the ultimate tool to placate Aaron Rodgers, and they're not going to do it. We're going to have a draft coming up in hour two of the destinations for Julio Jones, also a player from one of the teams that likely will make it onto the draft. He's been lobbying for Jones to come to town again, though he's not the GM, the owner, or the coach, so it doesn't really matter. One last point, though, Chris, before yeah. we pivot to our daily Aaron Rodgers update. I still think there's a scenario where the Falcons have to keep him. And even though he said, I'm out of there, right. the only way they get their best possible trade package is yeah. let him show up, right. prove he's healthy, right. come out and make an impact. Yeah. And then as teams understand, here's where we are, Yes. here's where we could be, how do we get there on yep. the fly? Oh, Julio Jones, oh, second round pick, oh, exactly. the rest of his salary for this year. Now, and this is where him going on the air without knowing he was on the air, this is where it hurts the Falcons. It hurts the Falcons because when it's time to negotiate with Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, right. if, if the Colts are interested, and the Falcons start saying, hey, you know what, that, that offer's not good enough, we're just going to keep him. Chris Ballard's going to say, sure you are. Sure, sure you are. Okay, fine, keep him. I mean, th there's... Before Julio Jones does the I'm out of there thing, it's a much more plausible scenario where he stays and he's there and there's a possibility he's traded during the season. That's much harder to sell now, which means it's going to be harder to squeeze if you ultimately only have one team. Yes, one team, right. If you ultimately yep. only have one team, it's going to be harder to squeeze what you want out of that team. And at some point, you got to ask yourself, how badly do we want to save face? Yeah. How badly do we want to create $15.3 in cap space? How badly do we want to get whatever we can in the draft next year for this guy? And there is that ego that's cooked into it. As someone said to me yesterday, they're not taking less than a two because Arthur Blank would be humiliated yeah. to get less for Julio Jones than he got for Hamid Sanu. Well, you know what? Sometimes you just got to take your medicine and move on. I, 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 you're right. You're going to have to balance that. It's, it's, it's a, it's a balancing act. I mean, with that, I mean, there's, yeah, I, I, it's a tough one. It is, but I understand Arthur Blank's stance there. I mean, they, they will. And I, I believe this is something I said from the start. They will get eviscerated by the no, no, the no nothings on Twitter and social media. And when, you know, they see the post that Julio Jones was traded for, a second round or a third round pick and they're all going to go what they traded well how stupid is the falcons organization but i know there's it means a point nothing. where you have to say screw those people i understand twitter, i understand twitter is twitter is a cesspool the, the the town square with a million people in it and they can pass around a micro a, a megaphone microphone megaphone yeah, yeah, yeah. you could they can pass around something through which they can talk and and someone can hear it i know it doesn't mean you have to care about it. i can i know one person's voice that gets amplified so what if it's somebody if it's a fan who doesn't know what the hell's going on if it's somebody in the media who doesn't understand the nuance of of shedding 15.3 million in cap space and maybe you have to take a fourth round pick to shed the 15.3 million in cap space. I mean, there's a point where you have to say, we don't care about the reaction. We got to do what's right for us. No, you're, you're right, Mike. There's no doubt. I'm just making a point that 
you and I both know but the you're right. own, owners and these people, they do you know, succumb to the pressure of that type of stuff at times. That's all I was trying to make the point. But you're right. You got you to gotta block it out. You got to do what's best for the football team. And I mean, I kind of I, I agree with you. You know, the fact that, yeah, you could keep them and, and that that's probably going to be your best chance to maximize. Like you said, show, you know, look at what he's doing. He's healthy. He's doing great. Oh, you're a Super Bowl contender. You need a wide receiver. Well, uh, he's doing great for us. We'd like a first round pick. You know, that, that, that I think is the way they probably maximize unless they can get some multiple desperate teams right now at this moment bidding against each other. The other aspect I'll just throw out, though, about that scenario that would scare me a little bit. The, the scenario that you talked about, you know, keeping him, showing everybody he's healthy, and then maximizing that way. Only thing I'd be scared there a little with if I'm Atlanta is going like, what if we got out to a hot start and the offense is rolling under Arthur Smith and Julio's yep. playing great and Calvin and everybody's doing good and all of a sudden we're four and one. You might be like, you might really get, you know, a lot of backlash if now you're trying to trade Julio Jones. Everybody's going to be like, wait, we're good. What are we doing here? That's the only scenario I could see as in being a negative there. And and that continues to be an unrealistic scenario because Julio Jones said himself, I'm out of there. I'm out of there. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and look, th this dates back three years. Out of the blue, they had a problem with Julio Jones. Why? Because they're paying Matt Ryan $30 million a year and Julio Jones is making fifteen, And they had to finesse it the entire 2018 offseason. And that's the other side of this, too. Once Julio Jones said what he said, then all of a sudden – you see the reports that Julio asked to be traded several months earlier yeah, and the right. fact they've been accommodating. They do a good job of keeping the dirty laundry they do. in the building. Yeah. And and it makes you wonder how much more dysfunction is lurking behind the curtain than we truly know about. And I think there may be more. They were able to hide that. There may be more. And it may be he's never going to play for them again. Yeah. He's just never come out and said it. It's never been leaked. And they're just going to have to do the best deal they can and move on. And it's entirely possible they've already given him their word that they will trade him. I remember when they had the regime change last year, middle of the season, Arthur Blank said Matt Ryan's going to have a voice in whether or not he stays. I don't think he specifically said Julio Jones is going to have a voice. I don't remember. But it's entirely right? possible that over yeah. the course of the last six months, they've said to Julio, we'll take care of you. You've given us 10 good years. You're ready to move on. We're going to do that, and it puts them in a position where they, they got to do it. Whatever the best offer is, they got to take it, and they held out during draft week for something better that may not be there. I don't know. I don't know what's there because as of right now, there's no one who's stepping up with a clear interest in getting a trade accomplished for Julio Jones. That wouldn't be the problem for the Packers. If they wanted to trade Aaron Rodgers, there would be teams that would be ready to go. They'd be ready to bid, and as I've said before, and Chris, you agree with me, they're never going to get more than they would get right now for Aaron Rodgers. This is the time to strike if you're going to trade him, but the Packers continue to dig in their heels, and Rodgers, as we spent time breaking down yesterday, his appearance on SportsCenter, the things he said about the people, persons, paper, people. Here's Matt LaFleur, the one person in management that Aaron Rodgers doesn't hate, addressing the Aaron Rodgers comments from Monday's Sports Center during a Tuesday press conference. Let's hear from Coach LaFleur. I'm guessing you probably listened to Aaron yesterday. Um, he kind of hinted that, in his opinion, there's a people problem in your organization. How do you view that? Yeah, I thought, uh, just like Aaron said, that was a heck of a tribute to Kenny Mayne. And, um, it was pretty cool that he went on there for him. And, you know, growing up, Kenny was 
he was definitely one of my favorites watching on SportsCenter. Hesitance to, to be back is the, the people issue that he referred to last night. How, how do you go about fixing that as an organization so that he does return? Well, I think we're, you know, like, like you mentioned, Aaron definitely knows how we feel about him. Um, you know, how, how he's such an important part to our football team, such an important part to our organization. And, you know, we're just going to continue to try to work through this and hopefully can get him back in the building at some point. You know, I'd like to get inside of Matt LaFleur's brain because I think one of the primary thoughts at the front of, what is that, the frontal lobe, cerebral cortex, oblongata, somewhere in there, he's got to be thinking, I've gone 26 and 6, and i got to deal with ish stuff. Oops, almost. That was close. That was as close as I'm, we've ever gotten. I'm, Damn. I'm, I'm tw- no, no, you've said it. What do you mean it's close well, as we've ever gotten? I'm talking you've about you. said it. We know. Talk about okay. you. You. You're a different ga- you're a different ball game. You're in a different league, okay? Yes, I'm in the minor leagues. You're in the majors. <laughs> so so uh yeah, I mean, the guy's 26 and 6. He's come in and 2 years ago, he threaded the needle with the whole audible thing. The the controversy that Aaron Rodgers, I believe, specifically engineered through Mike Silver, fellow Cal graduate, engineered through that interview that Silver did, sure. putting the issue front and center so it could be hashed out. Rodgers knew where this was going. Wait a minute. You're going to be two plays in the huddle, and that's that's it, and I have to pick one of the two at the line of scrimmage based upon the defense, and I have no discretion as to what to do beyond that, and I can't change the play. Are you kidding me? That's how we're going to do this? No, that's not how we're going to do this. And he won. Yeah. And LaFleur was smart to let him win. Right. 26-6, and six, two 13-3 seasons, two NFC championships. And he's the one who's thrown in the middle. He's caught in the crossfire between Rodgers and the front office. And he's the one that's got to stand up there and answer the questions the day after Rodgers says what he says. Right. Look, I, I've said this before as it relates to teammates. Roger's attitude, his behavior, his demeanor, his wishes, justified as they may be, they put others in a tough spot. Yes, they do. And he's put his head coach in a very tough spot. He, he, he has. I, you know, again, it's not – you're right. I mean, ever since Matt LaFleur has gotten there, every offseason, it's been dealing with drama. And he's not comfortable with it. You could see right there. And, and you know, knowing Matt a little bit and being around him before – that's this is not the kind of stuff he wants to do. He kind of wants to just be inconspicuous and coach the football team and have his relationship with his guys that way. But yeah, Rodgers his situation, his actions, everything like that, yes, are making it hard on the football team. There's no doubt about that. But Mike, but but anybody with a pulse Paying attention to NFL football could have told you this is what the hell was going to happen when you draft a quarterback in the first round and your team is in the Super Bowl window and the end for your quarterback is nowhere near in sight. So I will say once again, I don't love all the things that Aaron Rodgers is doing, but the jump off point for all these problems is still Green Bay. And you and I both know we could have predicted this was going to happen when they drafted Jordan Love on the next day of the show and talked about. He did. Yeah, exactly. Did. So that's that's where Matt LaFleur, he's probably going, damn, I wish Aaron would come here and take some of the pressure off me. But he can also walk upstairs and go, damn, 
YouTube put a lot of damn pressure on me. YouTube, as in Gutenkus and Mark Murphy. And that's where it's, you know, a tough, tough call there. Let, let me tell you something. I'm going to yeah. go back yeah. two years ago. When Matt LaFleur emerged as a surprise candidate yeah. to stand in the shoes previously filled by the likes of Vince Lombardi, Mike Holmgren, th- that's enough. Those two guys. Fiery, McCarthy demanding. won a Super Bowl. Mike McCarthy too. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. but I but I, I'm talking about the, I know the, and and McCarthy and the the guys that we know are type double A positive right. my way or the highway head coaches. I Matt Lafleur has done enough that if he was wired a different way from a personality standpoint, there are other coaches who would use that to leverage more power and influence for himself. And I think one of the reasons they picked Matt LaFleur when it was Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst deciding who we're going to hire for this job, I think they're looking for a personality type where they don't have to worry about the guy having success and trying to take over. I agree. Because at some point, you know what? Matt LaFleur's got to try to take over. At some point, Matt LaFleur's got to go to those guys and say, what in the hell are you doing to me? I've given you 26 wins in 32 regular season games, and you have continued to put me in a difficult spot with the best player in the NFL, and you won't fix it, and I'm caught in the middle of it, and I don't appreciate it, and curse word, curse word, curse word right. yourself. I, I, you know, and, and, and I just don't think LaFleur's wired to do that, and I think it's one of the reasons why they hired him, because they predicted he wouldn't upset the apple cart on behalf of Aaron Rodgers if and when they – hatched this plan to go out and draft his replacement and Rodgers wasn't happy about it. LaFleur's not going to join forces with Rodgers where other coaches, and we know who they are, would be tempted to say, hey, Goody, hey, Murphy, what the hell are you guys doing? And, and, and then that coach begins a campaign with the fan base, with the board of directors, with the executive committee to try to force them to put pressure on the guys who are keeping the coach from having – the best possible chance he can have to build sure. a legacy in Green Bay. Yeah, no, I, Mike, I don't disagree with anything you said. I mean, yeah, I mean, that Matt LaFleur is not that type of guy. There's no doubt. I don't doubt that that is part of the reason, you know, they, they got involved. It's, it, I think it's one of the things they look for in Green Bay. They look for coaches. It, really, ever since I've been a teenager, it feels like guys that they feel like they won't step on the shoes of the front office. Not, not, not Holmgren. Well, Holmgren wanted it, but that's ultimately right. What, what led him to get the hell out of there and go to Seattle so he could call the shots because there was that little issue then. And, you know, as we know, Green Bay, they're a great scouting department. They are a great front office for what they've done this long to be this relevant all these years. There is a real process and, and beauty to what they do. And, you know, those people have continued throughout that organization. Most of the people in that front office have grown up and got all their, you know, pelts on their horse in that organization. So they've been taught to run it that way, and which leads you to hire coaches like you're talking about, Matt LaFleur, which I'm with you. Uh, I think you're, you're right to a, to a degree. That is right why they hired him. The Brian Gutekunst situation isn't the cause of the Aaron Rodgers consternation. It's a symptom of a structure that has been in place for decades in Green Bay. And that's why this whole idea that it's about the people is so ludicrous. You have, at the core of the Packers organization, a brain trust that runs the show without input from anyone else, without input from the coaching staff, definitely without input from the players, without input from the fans, without input from the media – they know what works, and they're the ones calling the shots. 
And that's what Aaron Rodgers is ultimately pissed off about. And that's what Matt LaFleur is incapable of fighting against. And that's why we are where we are. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, and, and you know, to what you're saying with the organization and, you know, the process, you know, talking about Gutenkust and all those type of things, you're right. That's exactly right. It's what's made them really good. They're, you know, I mean, really. Ever since Brett Favre, it's been very few years that we can really think of where Green Bay hasn't been at least relevant in a playoff contending type football team. And that's great. But where the formula that we talk about in their front office that's made them consistently good is awesome. The other thing I would say is, like you heard me say a few weeks ago, you also have to gauge every now and then and go, wait, wait, this is our formula that's made us good. But we we got Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, and we're really great. good. And let's go all in. It can, it handicaps yeah. them at times because of the structure they're always trying to follow. At least in my opinion, the formula that allowed them to be consistently good since Bob Harlan and Ron Wolf joined yeah. forces because it was twenty years of crapola, as you would say, for yes. the Packers from Lombardi until until Ron Wolf got there. But that formula that allows them to be consistently good has pre- prevented them from being as great. Great, as they that's can the be. way to say it. Exactly right. You're right. Thank you for cleaning up my English language speaking. That's not that good. But yes, that's exactly right. The, the, the saying right. is the saying is don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. For the Packers, good has been the enemy of, of the perfect. You're right. Exactly right. I think they've dropped the ball from that sense a little bit throughout the Favre and Rogers era. To where okay, let's abandon you know, like you're saying, the normal formula and go all in or make this move that we usually don't make because we're really close and this gets us over the hump. And, you know, yes, you can you can praise all the consistency and all the good and everything like that, but you can also sit here and realistically say you had two of what I look at as the five or six greatest quarterbacks ever and you've only won a Super Bowl each with either one. And I think that's a problem too, you know, when I look at it that way. All right, uh, Matt LaFleur also addressed the quarterback who is now entering year two, who at some point presumably will be the starting quarterback of the Packers, Jordan Love. Here's LaFleur talking about Love. I think Jordan is definitely, you can tell he put some work in in this offseason on his own. I think the ball is really jumping out of his hands well right now. And, you know, it's day two of OTAs and, you know, all we've really done is thrown routes on air. We had some seven on seven, but you guys could see that the team periods, they're not full speed. So, um, you know, we're excited about just some of the progress we've seen with him, but certainly there's a, there's a long way to go there. You know, running back Aaron Jones also said that Love looks a lot more comfortable, especially when it comes to taking command of the huddle. He's going to continue to grow, and I'm happy to be here working with him, Jones said. Jones also said that, that Aaron Rodgers didn't say anything to him about possibly not being there, and Jones would have still re-signed. This is home. I love it here. So uh, Aaron Jones recognizing the very real possibility that it will be Jordan Love, maybe this year, maybe next year, but at some point he'll be working with Love. They like what they see so far, and they got to get this guy ready. That's right. And this is his opportunity. This is a point you made the other day. Aaron Rodgers is yielding voluntarily to Jordan Love the opportunity to come in and grow into the role. Yeah, grow into the role, get reps, get better, right? And, you know, the, the, the Packers players and the coaches, they got no choice. They got to support this guy. They got to, They need him. I mean, again, we don't know what the hell Aaron Rodgers is going to do. 
I know, as we've talked about a lot, I mean, yes, he is the type of guy that might just go, the hell with it. I'm not playing this year. I don't like you guys. It's about the people, and you screwed over your best people and me. So, yeah, I, they, they, they need him ready for just in case that scenario happens this year. And, of course, they need to put the pressure on Jordan Love and need growth there because ultimately I think we all believe, and I think they, they got to even believe, even if Aaron Rodgers comes back this year, this is it. So Love's got to take over after this, and that's why this is an important time for his growth and getting better, and it's good to hear that there, there has been some. Meanwhile, the top five receivers on the roster have skipped OTAs so far. Devontae Adams, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, Devin Funches, Equinemius St. Brown, none of them are there. And I don't think this justifies pulling up the conspiracy Mike meme to say, I wonder if they're doing what they have to do to placate Aaron Rodgers, which would imply that they think he's showing up at some point, uh, right? You're right. It, it it would. You're you're right. And maybe they look at it like, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it is a little odd. It made me think, certainly. I mean, is it one of those where the wide receiver just said, now we're going to go get our own work and do our own thing? Or is it one of those where they are trying to stay loyal to the quarterback and they're like, damn, I don't want to go through some of those basic plays we're going to have to do with Jordan Love and all those stuff and you know have the training wheels on, those type of plays. Maybe it's that too. Uh, so I, I don't know. But it is, it is curious and adds to you know some of the, the questions of the situation here. Uh, unless they I, – look, it's, I don't want to read too much into it. But if they thought Aaron Rodgers definitely wasn't going to be there – they're more likely to get there and start developing the relationship with Jordan Love. And it's possible that these guys are as in the dark as everyone else at the end of the day, and they don't know how this is going to play out yeah. and whether or not he's going to be there. And 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 look, we're, we're at a time where the NFLPA continues to recommend that, that these players not show up for the offseason workouts. And if you don't have a workout bonus, you're not losing anything by working out on your own, although you are taking the Juwan James risk. But uh, but it, it I, I, well, I don't I don't want to go down that rabbit hole as to as to whether like they're trying to keep Jordan Love from developing, whether there's some broader conspiracy that Aaron Rodgers is organizing. I, I don't think there's any reason to come to that conclusion yet. No, if those guys thought Rodgers wasn't going to be there, they should be there getting ready with Jordan. Love. No doubt. I, I think that's a really good point of like psychoanalysis there. I kind of agree with you. You're right. And here, here's the other thing that really popped into my brain right away. I mean. I could see Aaron Rodgers going, hey, guys, screw the OTAs. I got 97 bedrooms out here in my house in California. Come over here, and we'll go and have our own OTAs over at a field I'm at. Or fly, he's flying them out to Hawaii. Maybe that's why he was all sweaty on Kenny Main and stuff. Maybe he just got done throwing routes to all those guys that weren't there at OTAs. I don't know, but I could certainly see that. He's that on he, vacation. I know. He's not throwing routes. I know, but I could see he's that. He's throwing routes to, to Miles Teller. He's or not, not to any of, not to Devontae maybe. Adams. But I could see him organizing his own thing too, off of this, where he's just going, "Hey, don't worry about OTAs. I come back from Hawaii in a few weeks. Why don't you guys come out and see me, and we'll hang out for a week, ten days, whatever, and we'll do our own throwing. Maybe that's you know kind of on the radar for them." If he does have 97 bedrooms, how many bedrooms would he have to have before you would be invited to spend the night in one? Well, I don't know. Probably a lot more. I'm probably way down on the pecking. I mean, I'll, I'll take anything. I'll sleep on the couch, Aaron. I'll sleep on the couch. I got no, no problem with that. Just want to be able to hang out, wake up the next day. You know, we can have a catch. We could shoot some baskets and just be best buddies. That's all I really want.
I'm picturing the interaction, and what's coming to mind is Chevy Chase as Ty Webb and Bill Murray as Carl Spackler. <laughs> and, you know, we have a pond. Right. In the, we have a pond in the back. Is that, that's what Aaron Rodgers would be saying to you at some point in that conversation. Uh, for, for, for many reasons, that scene comes to mind, including the gigantic – uh, yeah. Joint that. Oh, uh, that, that's Carl right. I, that's where you're getting to. Oh, shocker! <laughs> I wasn't when when I showed up. I wasn't thinking about it, and then it just As dawned it kept on going? me. Okay, it's another <laughs> layer of perfection. So let me just say this: Groundhogs of Old Greenwich, beware. <laughs> Carl Spackler <laughs> is in town. Let's uh, let's take a break. When we return, did Jimmy G actually consider? demanding a trade and how ridiculous of a request would that have been more pft live right after this around any corner within every battle and with the dawn of each new day the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable and the unrelenting lies in wait but marines will always be there they are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Are you limited in any way? Is there a next step for you to get to as far as what you can do physically or restricted in any way, shape, or form at this time? No, I wouldn't say I'm necessarily limited. I think we're just being cautious and uh, being smart in the fact of I'm not doing things when there's a pass rush or, or guys, you know, potentially falling at the legs or so or something of that nature. But um, as far as saying I can't do drills or I can't do something, uh, I'm pretty much full go. Good news for the Cowboys. Dak Prescott recovering from the ankle injury. He told ESPN over the weekend that he could play in a game right now if he had to. The good news for him and the Cowboys is he doesn't have to for a few more months. They'll continue to keep him protected. Quarterbacks are anyway. They got the red jersey. Don't go close to him. Don't go near him. And definitely don't touch them during practice. It'll be that first preseason game yeah. that he happens to be on the field. And who knows how the reps are going to be divided among starters and backups when you only have three preseason games because you still have to evaluate your full roster. And you got to decide who you're going to keep and not keep on the back end. So it's not like you need to see what Dak can do. And they may be inclined to give him limited work. It may not be until week one. Thursday night opener at Tampa Bay that Dak Prescott really is facing that live fire in the backfield as he 
tests out the ankle on a repeated basis, Chris. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see him moving there. I, I mean, he's not moving a hundred percent there. So yeah, he might. You know, he might be able to play a game, but he's not going to be totally full hundred percent what we expect out of. But Dak you're not going to sprint. No. You're not going to sprint around in those drills. No, you're right. right? No but, one, even if you're completely healthy. No, you're not I, I get it. But I could, drills. I could still tell there's favoring it just watching it there to know that that's not the look or the move of a guy that's a hundred percent got the same pop in his leg. Not that I'm concerned about it. I'm just saying I, I, just an I, observation. I saw no hitch in the giddy-up, as they say. But, I, I, he looked fine to me. Well, you, well, I mean, we can play it back if you want to watch it again. Play but, it back. But either way, listen. I mean, do it live. I feel good about where he's at. I do. I mean, they, they have to feel good. Yeah, that's really good. Watch. When he drops back here in a second after getting doing the high knee. Okay, not All right, let's this see what one. you got, Professor. It's going to be the next is one this after one? this. Here we go, right yeah, here. Look, sure that's not – he didn't explode out of it. You could tell there was a little bit of a – It's a it's a drill in OTAs. He's not going to explode out of that. That's my point. It I doesn't matter about the explosion. Around I can back tell there's a fine. favoring. There's a favoring of the leg. I don't know what we're arguing about either way. Yeah, I, it, I expect him out there week one, and you're right. I mean, they're going to be careful that's with him. I don't know what we're arguing about is a different way of saying – I yield. No, I don't, I don't know yield. what we're arguing no, about I'm, because I'm, I'm wrong. I'm passing it on because I'm going. I uh, no, I've given. I give up. Okay, I, I don't know. I watch men's bodies yes, and do these uncle. things all the time, and I saw an issue there. That's why I'm just moving on. I'm not going to argue about it right. anymore. But right. but they got to uh, be careful about those live reps. To your point, what you're talking about, I can speak to that like wholeheartedly because even when you're in those you know red jerseys and everything like that. Guy, you get that like third guy at a defense end, right, Mike? Who's Johnny Tryhard? He's trying to make it. You know, sometimes they lose control of their body. They're trying so hard to go around the edge and do things like that. They fall down, they slip, they do things like that, and they fall on the quarterback's leg. It actually happened to me when I lost my spleen. I remember one of the first live things I was in in an OTA. Somebody hit me from the backside, like a Johnny Tryhard trying to make the team. And a big fight broke out, you know, of course, because I'm covering, recovering from the spleen. But it does happen from time to time is my point. Were, were, were you favoring your spleen? I did. Yeah. Questions? Yeah, I was. I was falling apart. Like, I literally was getting worse by the day. And every day going, like, expecting to get better as I go out there and throw. But every day, like, things were shutting off more and more. And I couldn't figure it out. And then one day I give a handoff to Cadillac Williams and I stick my hand out there. And he kind of, like, grabbed at it real hard and took it. And my damn bicep tendon tore off my arm. I mean, it just – it was an avalanche of issues right there. And, and as quarterback injuries go, yeah. lower body – uh, the, the broken ankle, assuming that the surgery goes well, there's no infection and yeah. complications like Alex Smith had. It's easier to heal from that than it is from the torn ACL. Joe Burrow had the badly torn ACL, the badly injured knee during his rookie season. Here's Burrow talking about the current status of that knee as he tries to get ready for week one. Good. You know, we've been doing basically what I did out there today. We've been doing it for the last month. So it wasn't wasn't anything new. It was just with, with moving targets out there. Um, so it wasn't any any big step or anything like that. It was just fun to be back out there. What's been the biggest challenge of this process uh, of getting back and getting right and, and trying to reach your goal of playing week one? Just knowing in my head that I can't push it too hard. You know, I'm a guy that likes to push the limits and, and work hard and, and go above and beyond. But, you know, I couldn't do that with a knee. So just doing what the doctors tell me to do, not doing anything too fast, being cautious. But, you know, we're out of the – the hardest part and 
then now the fun part begins. Yeah, look, a, a, we're rooting for Joe Burrow, and the moment that injury happened, as bad as it was, the time in the season when it occurred, Ugh. you immediately think this guy may not be ready for week one, but everything's pointing in a positive direction, and uh, kid's determined, he's motivated, he's driven, he's embraced the challenge, and I would not bet against him being ready to go week one, Chris. No, no definitely not. I mean, we, we know, I think we've all known, and just from the last few years of watching him, he's a psycho, he's obsessed with the sport, he's an incredible leader. You know, that was the one I, he had another quote there, too, yesterday where, yeah, I didn't take the full reps, but I thought me being out here and, you know, being able to do a little something as a leader of the team was important. Like, yes, it is. He is. He's the guy, you know, and anybody you talk to in Cincinnati would tell you like that was forget Joe Burrow's play, forget his play. And they were impressed by that. But, you know, the one thing that jumped out is people. I mean, he took over the team. He he. He was the leader of the team by week three of the season. He was the guy. Everybody knew it. The locker room knows it. All of that. So he continues to handle himself exactly the right way. It's a tough injury, and I, I know he's going to be out there. It's just I don't think he's going to be 100% to start the year. Meanwhile, the OTAs are rolling in San Francisco, and quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo met with the media. Here is an exchange from his session regarding his reaction to the news that the 49ers were going all in to draft his replacement. Jimmy, when we first talked to Kyle after the trade was made, uh, he said he called you and that you were understandably pissed, that you, that you weren't thrilled about it. Can you, can you take us back to what your emotions were like? Was there ever a time where you considered asking for a trade or, or anything like that in the ensuing time after that? Uh, yeah, there, I mean, when it initially happened, there's a million emotions that go on throughout your head, and you think of all the possible scenarios and things like that. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, at the end of the day, I want to play football. I want to go out there and win games. That's what I do. And so, um, you know, it wasn't anything too crazy. It took a little while to get – to get, you know, process everything. But, you know, once I did, it was just go out there and ball. Uh, you know, you just got to attack it. NFL is a crazy business. Things happen, but you just got to attack it day by day and, you know, make the best of it. Hey, look, and, and you're going to have a ton of emotions. When you took a team to a Super Bowl and then you suffer an ankle injury on turf that the team believed was substandard week two of the season. You spend the whole year trying to recover from that. You end up missing 10 games and you had the fluke ACL tear before that. And now all of a sudden they've written you off. They're done with you. Of course, you're going to think about every possible scenario, but Chris demanding a trade, who's going to take on the Jimmy Garoppolo contract? Hey, I demand a trade. Well, Jimmy, we can't find anyone who's going to pay you 25 million this year. So uh, you're going to take 12 million to facilitate a trade, what are you going to do? His best play financially is to do exactly what he's done and to hope that they don't come to him in late August and say, we're good with Trey Lance, you better take a pay cut to $12 million or we're going to cut you loose, which I still think is on the table. I still think that could happen. But his only path to making $25 million this year, and that has to be a real consideration, I mean, you're putting in the same effort, you're putting in the same work, you're still in the NFL, you're going to just give up half your salary? No. His only way to get that full salary – was to stay exactly where he is and hope that they decide to keep him around. And as Jed York said after the draft, make a $50 million commitment over the next two years to develop Trey Lance by paying Jimmy Garoppolo to still be on the team. Yeah, I, I mean, Mike, I, I mean, first off, I, I think you're exactly right. That has to be taken into account. I mean, it has to be. 
He'd be crazy. Every human. Like, wait, oh, I'm going to make $25 million. If I ask to be traded, I might get half? Yes. So there's that aspect. You know, there's nothing wrong with him asking to be traded or, or at least having those thoughts go through his head. I mean, come on. I mean, the offseason started out with, oh, the 49ers are, you know, in the – uh, Matthew Stafford, they, they're trying to get into that trade. You, you heard rumors about maybe they'd be interested in Deshaun Watson. And then, of course, all the draft stuff happened. So he's probably just like an avalanche all the time. Holy cow, are they trying to get rid of me and doing anything they can? Yeah, that's going to make people want to get traded. But I think between the point of what you brought up, the money situation, and then the other aspect of, you know, Okay, maybe if you went to New England, you could go there and have great success and do those things. But the they pay him twenty five. I know, but they're not going to pay him twenty five. You're exactly right. And you know, other than that, my point is the place you're at is really good with quarterbacks and offenses and winning and all those type of things too. To where I think as a quarterback, you look at it and go, "Well, man, I know maybe they don't love me here and those there's issues, but." I still think I can be my best player and be the best me here on this team with the supporting cast and what we've done already. And I think between those two things, that's probably why he you know, decided not to pursue that. By the way, George Kittle, who has been all in with Jimmy Garoppolo over the past few years, making the subtle or not so subtle pivot to Trey Lance, praising what he's seen so far from Trey Lance, because at some point, Trey Lance is going to be the guy who's throwing the football to George Kittle, and Kittle more than smart enough to understand that that's the direction the wind is blowing. The question continues to be, when will Jimmy Garoppolo be blown out of San Francisco? They, they I think, holding out hope that they're going to have an opportunity to trade him, get good value. He gets his $25 million. It's going to need to involve some sort of an injury to another quarterback. Otherwise, they may indeed cut him before the start of the season if Trey Lance is ready. But surely that's what the 49ers are trying to do, get the guy ready as soon as possible. Let's take a break. When we return, it looks like the NFL is going to have full stadiums this fall. Why is one coach worried about how his team is handling the pandemic? More PFT Live right after this. All right. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, Aaron, baby. Or A.J. Dillon. Man. Aaron Rodgers isn't there. A.J. Dillon is there. Yes. Um, and, and and Aaron Jones, don't stand next know, to A.J. Dillon. look. Do not be the guy who is next to A.J. Dillon. Good yes. God. Your two legs, Aaron Jones, equal one of A.J. Dillon's. A.J. Dillon is a specimen, Mike. I mean, I got to see him in person a few years ago when he was on Boston College. And as far as just the look of a running back, the muscles, you know, the thickness and just the size, it, it's as impressive as any running back I've ever seen in person. I mean, it's up there with, with some really, you know, the Derrick Henrys of the world, the Brandon Jacobs of the world, those kind of guys that are just big giants who are, you know, physically imposing. The Falcons have been have been uh, touting photos of Mike Davis and his giant legs. I'm sorry, but A.J. Dillon is currently the king of the running back legs in the NFL. He is. He's he's the you're saying he's the current quadzilla of the NFL. He's overtaken uh him and and Saquon. Saquon might have to get back out here and give us some more social media pictures of his quad so he could take back his throne. Well, uh and and I think he's still got indentations in his quad from when you put your giant meat hook on <laughs> I Super doubt Bowl it. I twice. doubt it. <laughs> um okay. Uh training camp 
opens July 27 for 29 teams. This is something Peter King wrote about weeks ago. The idea that the NFL is going to have another tentpole event, another reason to gather around the TV, if anyone has TVs anymore, the high-speed streaming device, the internet connection, your phone, your website, your Twitter, whatever. That's where all these training camps are going to pop on the same day. And it's good this year because fans likely will be present. This is a big celebration, and the NFL realizes, and, and I got nothing wrong with it. I'm surprised it took them this long yeah. to understand that there are moments on the calendar that they're not maximizing, and this is one they can maximize. All the training camps start at the same time. It creates a buzz. It creates an excitement. That's the day. That's the day that the NFL training camps open. So 29 teams this year beginning their sessions on July 27th. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, we've seen this in other sports, right? Like, you know, what, what they, what's that midnight March madness? Or, you know, what is that they do in college basketball when they can like, hey, at 12 o'clock, now we can practice on this date or whatever. It, it, you know, something similar to that. It is. It's a jump-off point. It's like a semi-kickoff to the NFL season. I, I'm with you. I like that, too. The fact that it, it is a little annoying, like, when you're just like every day in a row, oh, wait, this team's here, this team's there, wait, this team's a few days in and all over the place, it kind of kicks it off all in, in one way, and I think it is better for the fans in the sport. And, and you could argue that if you take over five straight days versus clustering it all on one day, that could be better, but it does just kind of start to yeah fall on deaf ears a little bit. It becomes background noise. Exactly. It You're becomes like, oh, background great. noise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, another day and more teams are opening today. Okay, right. more going to open tomorrow and more going to open the day after that. You make it one day, one strike of lightning, and they all open the same day. I, I like the idea, and it's it's another reason why the NFL is the king, predominant sport in the country. All right, um, 30 teams have been approved for full capacity already. For the season. And, and you know, we were tracking the announcements one at a time. And now all of a sudden the league is telling people, oh, it's 30 teams that are going to have full capacity. I, I just I've I felt like there's been an effort by the league to speak this into existence. Right. Part of me wants to see their math on this because I, I I'm surprised that all of a sudden. But because if, for example, if the Vikings had been approved for 100 percent capacity, fully and completely approved. I feel like we would have seen something. Right. You know, right. like we have for other teams. Yes. The idea that all of a sudden they're at 30, like where are the announcements? Because these teams are making a big deal out of the individual announcements that they're able to have full capacity. It just it, it stunned me that all of a sudden we're at 30. And maybe that maybe we are, but part of me wants to wants to scrape Double that a little check. bit and yeah. make sure that they really are at 30. Yeah, I, I you know, I mean same here, Mike. Kind of like caught me by surprise too, to where I was like, "Wait, did more teams announce that I missed or or anything like that?" Um, but you know, again, I'm happy with the teams that did announce it that we're getting to that point. You know, and hey, this is it's hopeful. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe the NFL jumped the gun on some of these to just throw that out there as a like you said, speaking into existence type thing. The two teams that have yet to get full clearance for 100% capacity, the Broncos and the Colts, but they have a quote-unquote clear path for getting there. And, and look, I, I had somebody very smart about matters of the pandemic tell me three months ago, by Memorial Day, everything is going to feel as close to normal as it's been since the pandemic began. And here we are, three days shy of Memorial Day weekend, Pretty and close. it does feel as close to normal. Even as you see 
the news accounts of other countries that are still struggling mightily with the pandemic. And even as you see concerns about whether or not enough people are getting vaccinated and there are variants and there are outbreaks, it feels as close to normal as it's been. And the person said to me, you take where we are at Memorial Day and it's going to be even dramatically more normal by the time Labor Day rolls around. And that's when these stadiums are going to start to open up. So I think they'll all be fully open to anyone who wants to go, and that's just the way it's going to be. Now, the vaccination issue, Chris, continues to to be a challenge for the NFL. The NFL considering the 85% team threshold that would allow relaxation of various restrictions. Teams are going to have a hard time getting 85%. Yeah. And case in point, here's Sean McDermott, coach of the Buffalo Bills, on his team's ability or inability to get as many players vaccinated as they would like. How concerned are you that this could be a divisive situation? Not so much now, but when things get real later on, if you can't do things in a normal way. Yeah, um, I'm concerned about it, being very upfront. I'm concerned about that, uh, as well as a lot of other things right now for our football team. And, you know, I think, Sal, the, you know, it's timing is, I think, coming into play a little bit right now where, um, the season's not upon us right right now, but it will be at some point. And as we all know how these vaccines go, unless you get the single shot, the other the other double shots, if you will, take some time, you know, to go through the, the time after the first shot and into the second till you're full, fully vaccinated. So so we always have to keep that in mind, right? With uh, you know, the length of time it takes to become fully vaccinated if you're going with a two-shot approach. Again, I don't think the right word is to is to try and convince. I don't think that's the right word. I think the right word is to educate and build awareness and uh, and then let people decide. So uh, again, it's, it's kind of two-pronged, if you will, as I mentioned earlier, Sal, with, um, you know, health and safety, right? And then there's also to, to what you got to do to do your job. And and so I think those are the two uh, prongs of, of, the, of the fork right now that uh, must be considered and considered seriously. You know, there's been for the past 20, 25 years an anti-vax movement as it relates to the childhood vaccinations and the claims made about the problems it can cause, does it cause autism and things of that nature. And that has provided the roots Definitely problem that has now grown right where you have general hesitation, right. the vaccination avoidance, different demographics, different groups, different reasons, political beliefs, where you're from. There's a racial component to it because black Americans have been mistreated with in the confines of the medical system in the yeah, past. There's right. a lack of trust there. Right. And and, I, you know, I'm told a lot of the younger players regardless of where they're from, regardless of who they are, the younger players are viewing it as a feather in their cap to get vaccinated. And they're getting it because they think it helps their ability to make the team. And you know what? Even though Brandon Bean got in trouble, the Bills GM, for saying the quiet thing out loud, yeah. I guarantee you that uh -huh. when it's time to shape out the bottom of the roster, no one's going to come out and say it, but the guys who have gotten vaccinated – all things equal, yes. the guys who have gotten vaccinated no are more doubt. likely to make the team. I, 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 I'm I not saying and that it's wrong. It violates the CBA. 
but it's that's reality. just a fact, right? Is that I agree with you, Mike? I mean, yeah. Oh, wait, it's our sixth receiver. They both play on special teams. Who do we take? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. This guy's vaccinated. This one's not. That's one less headache I have to worry about. See you later. I mean, that's really ultimately what it is. I mean, hey, Sean McDermott, of course he cares about people and all those things, but he's just trying to limit the headaches he might have to deal with in training camp or the season. Coaches don't want to have to deal with that. They don't have to deal with like, hey, we're implementing our defense and all our checks. And Oh, wait, what? What? You have to get out of here because you didn't get vaccinated or you have to go get your second shot or whatever. They don't want to deal with any of that. But it is interesting as far as like Buffalo's concerned because we've heard the star of their team, the best player on their team, you know, questioned whether he wanted to get vaccinated in Josh Allen. Um, so, you know, Brandon Bean made those comments. I would think they were made maybe specifically for some of the guys that are higher-end players like Josh Allen, and then specifically for your case in point, some of the lower-end guys where they're like, hey, we're giving you a warning here. Even though I'm not supposed to say this, we're, I'm favoring the guys with vaccinations, to your point. So I'll, I'll be interested to see where this goes. All right, let's take a quick break. More PFT Live coming at you right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.